And I ain't hit no drop in a minute. No, I'm about yeah. my business. Rapper's Guide Podcast, episode 42. is your host, Iggy Metro. Bales Pagliacci. And today we have a special guest on the phone. Uh, Sue is an entertainment lawyer from Texas. She also works for YouTube Music. Uh, Sue, glad that you're able uh, to join us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a long time coming, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I feel like um, both of our schedules have been so crazy. Yeah, and but you're I'm also... glad that we finally... I was going to say, you're also like big on the TikTok space. How did you get into the TikTok space? So it's kind of funny. Like, okay, so my best friend, Ashton, she is, um, she's like a full-time influencer. She used to compete for USA Gymnastics. I don't know if you remember like the Rio team. She was on that. Okay. And so she, she has a really big following and like, she was, um, on TikTok way before me. And I was just like, I don't get it. Like, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like three, four years older than her. So I was like, I don't understand. I don't know if I'm going to get one, blah, 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 blah. And then, um, you know, I was just like, maybe I can like put up some stuff that may help somebody someday. So I'll just, you know, talk about what I know. And um, I started just making videos like, you know, briefly about entertainment law issues or things that, you know, legal pitfalls that people may have to look out for etc etc and then literally one night one of my videos just like blew up (laughs) and then after that um yeah i mean it was it was surprising but you know as long as i'm like helping people um i'm more than happy to you know keep it going i feel like that's a recurring theme um with the guests that we bring on uh we like to ask them why do you want to help people because again we we had uh last week we had an episode with keys to the game he's uh another influencer on on instagram and he also does like um music business strategy mm-hmm. and he just mm-hmm. he helps a lot of artists for you know and and so a lot it would look like it's for no reason so what makes you want to help people for no reason or just for free because especially in your field you know you get paid for every second yep so what makes right, you want to just right. help people on tiktok and give out like uh uh lawyer information on on tiktok well, yeah so my thing is is that you know i you know I knew I wanted to, before I became a lawyer, I knew I wanted to do something that was in the, cre- in the creative field, but mm-hmm. also as a professional. So, um, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor, definitely not an inventor. And I'm Persian too, so my parents are like either uh, engineer, doctor, lawyer. And I was like, right. okay, cool, I'll be a lawyer. That's like a big enough field for different industries, whatever. But um, it was surprising that once I started to... Um, once I was in law school and I started to kind of get more involved in like the legal practice. And, um, on top of that, you know, I spe- like I was specializing in entertainment law. I would get frustrated at the fact that, you know, the people that would, um, reach out to me or that would, um, reach out to my, uh, supervisors or whatever, whoever I was working for at the time, um, they desperately needed our advice and our help but they just could not afford it because, you know, as an independent artist mm-hmm. or even as like an artist who's signed, um, those, those, those fees, those attorney's fees are sometimes ridiculous. And on top of that, if we have to go to litigation, that's like another huge, like, you know, burden on this person who to make like, you know, to the, not their own fault experience, maybe like a copyright infringement and their works are being stolen and they can't afford a lawyer. And then they end up just having to, kind of silently suffer and um you know once i started to work at my previous law firm and i was the director 
of the sports and entertainment law division there, my number one, like my baseline point that I made when pitching about my division was the fact that I wanted it to be a affordable um, route for artists and, and entertainers to be able to afford an attorney. And whether that be, you know, rather than paying like a flat fee, um, we could do it by contingency or maybe we can come up with some sort of like payment plan because, mm. you know, everybody should be entitled to, um, you know, to, to protection. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to legal matters, you do need those professionals, the people who have the experience because, um, you know, the legal world is a very, it's a very tricky like place. You have to tread lightly. Right. And, um, if you don't know what you're doing, you like, you could, even if you're not at fault, you could be the one liable for any, like any kind of damage, um, whether it be court costs and fees, attorney's fees, this and that. And I've just seen so many, um, I've seen so many unfortunate cases where if only they had, you know, the income or the, the adequate, um, representation, then they wouldn't have been in the situation that they had been in. Um, so and yeah, I've had a blood. Huh? It's, it's very Sorry. interesting. Uh, no, it's perfectly fine. Uh, I just wanted to uh, chime mm-hmm. in. You know, it's very interesting to the things that you're saying, because uh, once again, when it comes to artistry, um, a lot of artists tend to, once again, we always talk about this on the podcast, everything is fun. And it's like, you know, we're creating music and that's the, that's the greatest piece mm-hmm. of it. But mm-hmm. there's also that side where you have to make sure that you have those, that legal counsel in place. Um, and that's something that we talked about yeah. before. We had a, a, a episode about entertainment lawyers. Um, and, you know, it's great, great to have you on the show now because it kind of gives a, a different perspective of just two people who are artists talking about it um, rather than somebody who's actually working with it and also trying to help artists, um, you know, gain oh, that yeah, counsel. Sure. I also feel Absolutely. like, I also feel like for, for artists um, to get legal counsel, they have to know that that's even a thing. And I think that that's yeah, a bigger issue. A big yeah. I think that's the bigger issue than even them, like kind of making themselves aware of, of like the business is like, I don't think people, you know, when you talk to an artist, they think of a manager they think of like the label head. They think of all these mm-hmm. people, but you never hear them bring up their entertainment lawyer. Mm-hmm. You don't right. hear them so bring up the, the person thing. who actually takes care of them in a bad situation. Exactly. Like you're the person who's your advocate. Right. Like, you know, for example, um, every person plays a specific role, you know, on the artist uh, team. Uh, there's the management. There is, you know, the, maybe like a publicist, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But the lawyer is so, so, um, it's so important to bring on in the beginning, I think, and the right person, the person that, you know, best fits your, your style. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a story, for example. Um, the thing with, the thing with lawyers is that, uh, they are unequivocally your advocate. They don't, they don't play, you know, a double role, whether, you know, a manager could also act as an agent, major manager or whatever and take on a fee. And then, you know, there could be a conflict of interest, but a lawyer, if you hire them and under their, you know, engagement letter and they say like, you know, if they're exclusively your lawyer, it doesn't matter, you know, if your, um, like if your manager, uh, asks your lawyer to do something for you, no, 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 they can't do that. Like, mm. you know, the, the lawyer is exclusively the artist. And, um, I do think it's very important to, you know, to look into this, if you're thinking about it seriously, if you're getting offers and if you're 
you know, getting traction in your work, um, it's better off to start looking into and researching on the right entertainment attorney uh, just so that later on, whenever, you know, should a like a conflict arise, um, that entertainment attorney can kind of, in, in like at, in the beginning, look for any kind of like legal pitfalls that may happen. Okay, so let or, me ask you a question real quick. Uh, what would you say is the point that an artist, uh, an up and coming artist, should look into an entertainment lawyer? Because you know, like, there's a lot of people that don't make money off music. I would say majority. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. when when would you say that an artist should start looking into uh, legal counsel when it comes to uh, their music career? Right. So, well, I mean, like any lawyer says ever, <laughs> it depends. Um, it depends on the scenario. You know, sometimes some, some people as an independent artist get approached about a publishing deal. Then you would want to, you know, maybe um, get a consultation with a lawyer to discuss the, um, the rates at which the, or the percentages of which the publisher will be getting or um, how the contract is devised or, you know, anything like having to do with the like splits or, you know, just trying to, if any kind of agreement is taking place between an artist and somebody who is offering them any kind of advantage, a lawyer should step in to review that, that transaction because, you know, a lot of times I feel like there's a lot of legal jargon thrown into these agreements Mm -hmm. and it looks really uh, like fancy and exciting and it looks like it's like a great opportunity, but you know, there are ways that, People, people um, put in clauses and and portions of language that can, you know, be look really deceiving or not look deceiving. They are deceiving, but they look, you know, they look good. Face, they look great, yeah. right? And, and um, you know, that's the other thing. Like, and another way that you know you may need to hire lawyers. Like, um, let's say you are wanting to get more outreach or you're looking for more offers. A lawyer also acts as your um, as your, like your industry, uh, point of contact, right? right? Like a lot of times what I'll do is, um, what I would have to do whenever I was a backup firm is I would use my contacts and create deals, um, between the two different individuals. So like if an artist was like, Hey, I really need a publishing deal. I would reach out to different people and find them, you know, the, the best type of publishing deal that best fits their needs. Or, you know, if they, or maybe somebody who is a A&R from a label is looking for a specific type of artist with a specific amount of reach, um, then I would do my research and then go in and, you know, um, try to p- procure them for that A&R. Okay, so, so you're also, different. so you're working with the label and also working with artists as well. Like, you don't just solely right. work with artists, right? It's also labels right. involved. And, and Right, well, mm-hmm. and on top of that... Um, you know how you said uh, that you know you serve as that that person in the middle or that connection, and you know, a lot of times artists are looking for connections all the time and trying to figure out how can I get my way into the game or who I need yeah, to speak to or bump know, shoulders with. It's the right. lawyer. Little do they know, is a lawyer is exactly. a wonderful. You know, it's not it's not just because of the fact that like you know uh, we have the legal knowledge to be able to kind of accelerate your career. It's also the fact that. Um, the entertainment, legal entertainment industry is so small. Like, it's literally like you bump elbows with people all the time. And, um, you know, the, the circle is so small that if you reach it, like, if I reach out to my mentor, 
he can, he will get me the right person. Mm. And, um, you know, there's not that many entertainment lawyers out there that are as involved. You know, if they, if there are, if they say that they're an entertainment lawyer and they're not exclusively doing it, they're probably doing a whole bunch of other types of law too. You know, that's why you have to do your research because, um, for myself, for example, I was, my specialty was entertainment law. So I was also working with the recording academy. I was working with, um, you know, think, uh, licensed directors and um just a whole bunch of different people so i did you know not only work with independent artists and helping them you know kind of accelerate their career in the sense of getting them a you know a label deal or maybe finding them a right producer to you know um to start creating their album or or on the other side i would also be working independently with um you know licensing companies publishing companies record labels um, that's the good thing about having an entertainment attorney. We can play a whole bunch of different roles. Um, but the, the underlying, um, you know, issue is like, who is, who do I represent? So and that I, comes from the, uh, the engagement letter. And I just want to pinpoint that for artists as well. Cause you know, as you said, um, there are a lot of lawyers out there, but there's specifically, specifically some lawyers who deal with entertainment law and you guys have a, a basically a niche that you're working with. It's not like as if you're uh, right. going it's into every different, yeah, exactly. You're not going to every different sector. You're making sure that that niche is there. And we kind of tell that to mm-hmm. artists as well when it comes to artistry, as far as like finding your corner and sticking with it instead mm-hmm. of being so versatile. Cause you may find, come across a lawyer who may say, Oh, you know, I do entertainment law, but then they're doing other things. And it's like, at that point is your artistry right. or is your career the, the main goal? Or is that the thing that sets right. front and center? That's the number one thing I would always advise people is like, you know, you just like, you know, you shop, you know, like a therapist, for example, you, it's like dating, it's like dating, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you go around and you see who best fits your needs. Um, Sometimes a lot of entertainment lawyers, they'll also be doing like uh, intellectual property or um, sometimes some of them do, they do entertainment law in conjunction with litigation. Um, So you know, my, my thing was I did a lot of business related transactions with entertainment. And also, um, we would do the, what is it called? The career development side of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's a, it's hard to find the right person, but like I said, you need to date around and find the right lawyer because, you know, sometimes I would come across cases where, um, or people will come come to me and be like, Hey, I need help because I had this one entertainment attorney, but they, you know, they, uh, disengaged on my last contract. And I was like, why would they do that? You know, like, why would they, they, you know, take you out of your contract when they don't, they've never done that before, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it's like I said, it's just one of those things you have to make sure that, um, the person who is advising you has the right, you know, experience, knowledge, skills you know, background, everything. And yeah. Uh, okay. Let me ask you another question. Uh, because you said that it's such a small um, world of, uh, you know, the music business. Now I'm sure you have a lot of contacts within the industry, right? Now say mm-hmm. I'm an artist and I come to you uh, for your services, right? And mm-hmm. I'm telling you that you have to either sue or go against someone that you have worked for. Is that mm-hmm. a difficult world to be in? Um, well, it depends, again, <laughs> right? Like, if the previous representation, like the scope of the engagement 
the scope of the representation with the last person is completely done. And there's, that means that there's no conflict of interest. But if it, if it has to do with the same or similar type of case matter, like if, if it has to do with, like, let's say the artist, like you, the artist wants to sue somebody I represented in the past, like a publisher and the same facts come from that case. I can't represent you. What I can Mm -hmm. do, right. Is, um, you know, point you to the, to a different direction, but you know, there's a, there's something called, uh, attorney client privilege. And, and, you know, that's something that, you know, every lawyer knows you, it's, um, it's binding and it's, it's a very tricky thing. Like, you know, in law school, we go through this ethics class where we have to, you know, um, go scenario by scenario and figure out whether or not we can even represent someone. Because if, you know, if anything happens in the sense that that attorney client privilege is breached and I accidentally, you know, give away information that is important to an, a previous client of mine, then I'm liable. You yeah, know, you could actually for, lose your license for that, right? Right, uh-huh. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's, it's a it's a super interesting field. I've come across some really interesting people. My mentor was actually the person who got me interested in specifically doing music law. He um, he is a you know well he's been in this industry for years. Like he, it's funny. He was like, I asked him, "How did you get into this into this business?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, well." Um, and that was my neighbor. And then, you know, I was practicing law one day and then he said he needed representation. It kind of snowballed from there. But, you know, it's, it's funny because everybody's stories is, are different. And, um, but, it's, you know, not, not one day goes by where I don't um, love what I do. You know, it, as long as I can help someone and advise someone and be their advocate, um, I, I'm, you know, very thankful for the job that I have and the work that I do. That's awesome. Uh, okay, big thing. We're, we call ourselves uh, the rapper's guide, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, rappers mm-hmm. love to use what's called samples, yeah. right? Um, uh-huh. I wanted to ask you, all right, so young artist at home picks a beat with a sample, uh, probably isn't mm-hmm. going to get much traction, doesn't know about marketing mm-hmm. or anything. What would you mm-hmm. say to that artist? Is there a point? that you have to get to to worry about that or should you just never use a sample in general um so okay my very first uh point of concern is is there a copyright issue right um you want to make sure that there's no copyright in potential copyright infringement that could be happening because you know these these infringement matters are very serious and um you know as a independent artist who probably doesn't have that much revenue coming in from like um, their streaming numbers and stuff, you want to make sure that you don't be hit with any kind of like copyright lawsuit because mm-hmm. I've seen it happen before, right? Like I've seen a sample be made and the original artist or the original composer will come after that person because, um, you know, it's a federal, it's a federal matter. It's a big thing. Um, and they're they're very cutthroat about it. They don't have any mercy. So I would definitely say do your research. Make sure that it, if it's registered, ask for permission first. Um, and then the second point of concern is how far how far do they reach in their streaming numbers? Right? And that's like what I'm saying. They are, say they don't reach. Say they don't reach far at all. Do they have a lot to worry about, or uh, should it just be like? Uh, rule of thumb: Don't use samples because 
they can come after you. Because because in my uh, understanding of it, it would be like, what would they be coming after someone that doesn't have the reach for? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I, that's the thing. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. Even if you reach two people and you have two streams, you could still get hit with a copyright infringement lawsuit mm. because it's you know the law. It, it doesn't matter the the volume, right? You know of of this of the work, you know that is used. It, it's still black and white copyright infringement, and by definition, you still had broken the law by taking a sample that you were authorized to use. Um, so blanket, I would say stay away from it just to be better safe than sorry. But if you are really needing to use it, if you really think you like it, you want it, do your research, um, see if it's registered, find out who that person is, find their publisher, and then ask for permission. It's very simple. Um, if not, you know, if you, if if you're having a hard time coming across that, then I would say reach, reach out to your like local entertainment attorney or, you know, even reach out to me and, you know, we could do the research for you to find out who the right point of contact is for that. Okay. So Um, that, so that's actually easier than, than what people would probably assume. You're saying that mm -hmm. it's not that difficult to get in touch with the actual publisher. No, not at all. No. Um, of course, you know, these, some, sometimes these samples, like, for example, I had to do a uh, music license for a commercial once, and it was the song, oh my gosh, it was this one ninety song that was like a banger back in the day. Okay. <laughs> and it, and it, it was like, it was like, it was like one of these songs that are, were in the com- in commercials everywhere back in the 90s. And I was kind of worried because this is my very first um, licensing issue that I had to deal with. And I was like, I have no idea <laughs> how I'm going to find this artist or their publisher or whatever. But no, like, you know, like I said, just by reaching out to somebody who, that, like, to my mentor, actually, um, it was, like, two or three people down from him that um, I was I was able to directly contact their um, management. And then they got me into the right contact with their publisher. And then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, thing where, you know, you it just goes from person to person. Um and like I said, it's a very small circle and it would, it would be better to, um, find the right attorney just to be safe. <laughs> and that's, that's I, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Cause I know, uh, recently, I think, I think Tory Lanez, when he dropped like that eighties type vibe album, I think somebody, I think it was Madonna or somebody reached out to him like, Oh, you didn't even ask for permission. And it's like, you know, yeah, it's kind of yeah. weird that even the bigger it's, name artists are still doing things like that. It's like, she even just said, well, oh, you had to do was ask for permission. Thing, that's the thing though. Like the bigger people also, they have, like if they have a public a publisher, the publisher's job is to look out for infringement, right? It's a part of their job role. Like they have to make sure that any type of, type of infringement or um, potential infringement that they come across is noted and um, you know sent over to the legal team. Um, and of course, you know these platforms now they they already have these these um, these uh, their rights management automating to make mm-hmm. sure that no infringement is happening. It's a very serious and sometimes kind of scary issue to deal with. Um, and it's not only with music either, right? Like, for example, I have a I had a client in Todd who was also a good friend of mine. Um, he is a tour photographer. So he would be on tour all the time with these different artists, rappers, like, and that was his main source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, everybody kind of panicked. 
and didn't know what to do because tours were all coming to a stop. Um, and you know, the number of phone calls that I got that, that week that we went into lockdown where people were like, what do I do? This is my only like, you know, means of, you know, supporting myself. Um, I would advise, you know, maybe you should look into seeing who had infringed upon your work. Well, um, come to find out this tour photographer had found out that a news station had like a major broadcast company had taken one of his photos and created a commercial out of it. And so, you know, I had sent a demand letter, you know, saying that this is an infringement. Um, you know, you need to, you have to cease and desist, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, it's still in, it's still in, um, uh, litigation right now, but it's not, you know, infringement doesn't just affect, uh, you know, songwriters or composers. It affects also, uh, photojournalists, um, writers, songwriters, a lot of people. So. Anyone in the creative yeah, field, yeah, pretty everybody much. Everybody involved in, in, in yeah, the business is, yeah, is, is liable. For sure. For sure. I want to stay on the funny. topic. Uh, oh. I'm sorry. I wanted to stay on the topic no, ahead, of samples. Um, and I just wanted to, uh, all right. So in your experience, say they do reach out, they get the contact information for the publisher, right? What exactly mm-hmm. is the process? Now, are you paying a fee? Are you um, agreeing on a percentage of the record? Like, what would a, a publisher be more likely to do for an up-and-coming artist with no real reach? So, okay. If you're going through a publisher, um, they are going to be reaching out. If they don't have the the uh, license to the song themselves, they're going to be reaching out to the to the the what is it called the publishing group that does so um a lot of these publishers they're they work under the a bigger umbrella of bigger publishing companies so they'll they'll run sub, like subsidiary companies publishing companies under like sony music publishing or you know uh, warner publishing etc cetera, etc cetera. so um the process basically is like they would go in and Hold on one second. Sorry, my no problem. Is about to die. Um, they would go in and they would. One second. Oh, I can't find my cord. My bad. <laughs> no good. problem. But that is something. Uh, you know, once again, as far as like the. Uh, the samples and things of that nature. Cause like, once again, a lot of beats have samples when you purchase them with a beast. Well, that's why I want to stay. I just want to stay there because I feel like that's very important, especially to our following. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that that's something that people don't really know the the actual details of. I think that mm-hmm. w- when you look at, at samples from our perspective, right. And you come up knowing that hip hop is just built on samples, samples. right. You just think that mm-hmm. if I was to get in touch with the okay. publisher, that's way unachievable i can't do that it sounds that. crazy it's like i can't right, do that right like, who, who do i even talk to well, you know what fun. i mean it's 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 funny that you say that because it's really not unachievable there there are a lot of publishers that are more than more than willing to you know um not only like help you in the sense of you know getting you your sample licensing rights but they're also willing to kind of help develop your career as well because a publisher not only acts as you know the um the official individual with your licensing they also act as the person who shops around for deals for you right Um, right and you know like i said these publishers they act under these collective management organizations so like the um you know under sony publishing they may be with bmi 
or Warner maybe with ASCAP. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they will go in and, you know, run their, their research to see um, who is the co-publishing ad- administrator. And then, you know, they will go from there and then run the, uh, to see if it's a single song co-publishing deal or if it's like a, uh, you know, a, what is it called? My mind is blanking. Um, like a composition publishing deal, like mm-hmm. a multi-composition publishing deal. And then from there, they will, you know, they will do the actual paperwork themselves with the uh, collective management organization. Once they get the, the, the license itself for the sample, then they'll, you know, let you know um, by giving you, you know, the, you know, giving you the clearance for it. And then from there, you can go ahead and create the sample to a certain degree, right? Like you can't, you know, um, copy it directly and then say that you, you know, made a new song. You have right. to, you know, you have to uh, transform it into something um, that's a completely new work. Um, and yeah, from there, they also can, you know, like once they get you your clearing and your the clearance for your licensing, they go, they also uh, do the promoting of the published material. So, um, you know, it's, it seems like it's a far reach feat to, to get a publisher and to have all of this work done. But it's, it's, you know, it really does start out with just kind of reaching out and going for it. And, um, you know, a lot of the times, like I would, I would, you know, go through the process with either a songwriter or an artist and they would, you know, be amazed at the end of our, at the end of my representation because they were like, I never thought that, you know, um, somebody like, you know, uh, Universal Music would want to, you know, sign my composition or my, you know, my, um, what is it called? My sample. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, sorry, I'm blanking right now. That's what okay. No, so, so this, this is the, the main, uh, point I think of, of what I was asking is, uh, in that scenario, is it usually an upfront cost, like a fee, or is it a percentage of the record that, that you're more likely, uh, have to give out as the artist well, that's, creating that's the, the, beauty the work? Of it, right that's the beauty of it right there's no um there's no set way of it being done with with my previous experience um you know the publisher would have a a small upfront fee and then take a percentage at the end um so it'd be like a um upfront you know licensing or an upfront publishing cost mm-hmm. and then just to retain their services. And then from there, I would go in and, and renegotiate their share of whatever percentage they're asking for. Um, but, you know, like I said, that's the beauty of it. it all of these, these uh, transactions, these contracts, they can be specifically tailored um, so that, you know, it could best fit my client needs, right? So, uh, you know, if it, whether that be the publisher or the artist. Um, and, you know, granted, there are other publishing companies where if it's like, if they have a larger catalog, they'll have like a, um, it'll be like a flat fee, right? Mm-hmm. But um, most of the time, these like independent publishers from these, you know, subsidiary companies, what they'll do is they'll ask for a small, you know, retainment fee, and then they'll take a small percentage off of that. 
And I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of add, well, ask the question as far as like within the YouTube music, um, because, you know, technically Spotify will be considered the biggest streaming, uh, you know, DSP. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like really YouTube. And I know like uh, YouTube music is kind of just, you know, really get into that space because like I mm-hmm. use YouTube music before and it's like you can literally listen to almost anything that was on YouTube right. that's available in the audio um, format. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that a lot of times that a lot of artists um, who may be posting things online or, you know, people in general who may be posting things online and using music that's not really um, they didn't get the access or they didn't ask for permission uh, for the music that, you know, sometimes they get those copyright strikes. I personally even got some on my songs just based off of um, purchasing a beat, which, you know, once again, I understand that's all within the business. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to just talk a little bit more about YouTube music and like kind of the role that you play and also, you know, some of the issues that you may come across with artists um, utilizing mm-hmm. the platform or other people using songs without having permission to do so. Right. Right. So um, I... So for my role with YouTube, what I do, I'm the team lead on their, I'm a team lead on the music content operations team. Um, so, and I'm the team lead for rights management. It, it's a uh, fairly new. Um, so what, what my role is and my team's role is, is to kind of go through and, um, see the actual content that is uploaded and, and see if any type of potential copyright issue may, um, arise. Um, and, you know, that also comes from, you know, it's also user generated because, uh, part of our team does go in and sweep, uh, uploads and whatnot ourselves. But it is, you know, a lot of the times, like how on YouTube, a, a YouTube user themselves will go in and, you know, file for a copyright strike or, you know, um, file a complaint. Um, as for upload, uploading, you know, different work onto YouTube and whatnot, I would just say, you know, do your due diligence. Um, at the end of the day, a copyright strike, it, it only, it's only a hindrance, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not something that should be um, not, it's not something that should, that should be taken lightly. Um, if you're, if you're serious about, you know, accelerating your career and being taken seriously as an independent artist and being, um, you know, take it seriously as a potential signee for, let's say, a record label. It, should you want to be a signee, um, you know, it's not going to look good if you continually keep having these issues with these big major platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, again, like I said, the this this industry is is a very small circle, um, a very particularized particularized field. And it's important to kind of maintain that integrity when you are, um, you know, uploading your works and creating your works as well. Is this how people, because uh, I, I think more than, than uh, not, people will actually continually mess up, but then they'll say that they're blackballed from the industry. Uh, in your experience of seeing people get blackballed or what they would refer to as blackballed, do you think that's more as a result of the artist just continually messing up? No, I mean, not necessarily. Um, some, some people are just, you know, some, most of the times actually artists are just misinformed mm-hmm. um, on, or they just aren't as, um, they don't have the, the knowledge of how to effectively kind of navigate this, the, the field, right? Like, yep. uh, for example, 
Um, let me yeah, for example, a lot of the times artists will be, you know, thinking that they're putting out, you know, works that are, you know, like, that are great and are exciting and are, you know, like, this sample sounds great, I'm going to use it, whatever, thinking that they do good work. But at, but at the same time, they don't understand that they're hindering themselves in the sense that, you know, you may be putting yourself in, in like, you know, uh, willfully into a legal issue. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's necessarily the artist's fault. It's, it's just the fact that a lot of people who are artists, who are, you know, creative, um, that are breaking out into the industry, they're just not well informed. Um, you know, if I could, I would go in and, you know, try to, that's basically what I'm doing on TikTok, right? I'm trying to make yeah. people understand that, you know, there are pitfalls and there are, you know, issues that come up that a lot of people don't realize and, or they may get excited about, um, for example, like they may see it, they may have a deal thrown in front of them from like a label, not knowing that there is a huge conflict of interest and that this label, you know, is pretty much, um, what is the word? Uh, is acting as a shark, right? Like mm-hmm. they are, they are, uh, reaching off of their creative work for their benefit, like the label's benefit. Right. And at the end, who's the person who suffers? The artist. Um, so I think it's really important that in the beginning, either you, um, if you're wanting to do this seriously, if you see yourself seriously, um, you know, taking this as a, as a career, then you need to either find the right lawyer, get the right advice from the beginning so that that way you, you're not um, steered in the wrong direction or influenced in the wrong direction. Or in that sense, do your own research and make sure that, you know, every step that you're taking is an effective step forward because, you know, it may seem like you're moving forward in one sense when, you know, you, you are having, you know, a million streams on one song, but what does that do later down the line when, you know, let's say you made a, a, a huge amount of income from that one song, but you end up losing it in legal costs and fees later down the line when you're, you know, you end up becoming sued for copyright infringement. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily the artist's fault. Artist's fault, I think it's just the way that this industry is, is kind of, um, unfortunately, it's been shaped, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of people be taken advantage of for their lack of knowledge. And um, in, this, in, in the sense of, protecting themselves, you know, legally. And that's one one of the things uh, that we, you know, we tried to explain as well. It's like, you know, sure, it's it's great to make, you know, uh, money from a song, but if if you're taking 10 Mm -hmm. steps forward in your mind, but literally behind you, that's like some legal fees that's like creeping up on you. It's going to put you like 20 steps back. It's like, why not just take those chance to like, you know, make sure everything is in Mm -hmm. order at that specific time. Then we'll exactly. wait till it's it better worse. to go off from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And like, I'll give you a story, for example. So I had a, um, a two young men come into my office one day. They were on tours and this, they were in their Houston stop. And um, they had come into my office and I was like, how can I help you? And they're like, we feel like something is off. Um, could you please, you know, kind of review our, our, um, our contract? And I was like, yeah, of course, I'd come and sit down. So they are kind of telling me the backstory of, you know, how they, they got, um, 
signed with this label and, um, you know, how they met their management, et cetera, et cetera. And they're saying, you know, it's kind of like how back it, back in the day they would do like, you know, like the Backstreet Boys. It was like like five different guys from all different parts of the country kind of put together mm-hmm. and see if they sound good. And they sounded good. So the label, you know, flew them out to L.A., um, got them apartments, and, you know, they started to work together as a band. And they formed a group and they started recording and now they're on tour. And, they, you know, everything happened so fast. And, you know, I'm listening to the story and I'm like, okay, this already sounds fishy, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I let them continue on and I'm reviewing and I see that page, uh, six is missing. You know, it goes from page five to seven. I'm like, okay, well, where, where's page six? And I'm like, did you guys recognize that this has happened? This has happened. They were like, oh no, like we, we, we just kind of signed it. Mm. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? You just signed it. They were like, you know, they said, this is, this is the contract, sign it. And then, you know, will give you your advance and then the whole spiel can begin. And I was like, you didn't read any of this? And they were like, no, not, I mean, we looked over it, but you know, we didn't know what, you know, they literally in that meeting, they asked me what an advance was. Right. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh no. Like my heart literally sunk because I was like, I was like, you do know that an advance is something that you have to pay back. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, Oh God. So, so I look further into the contract and I see that there's this huge, huge, huge conflict of interest where the band, the, the uh, boy group management also acts as their, um, their, like the, the manager themselves basically had provided them their, the boy's attorney. So, you know, every, all of these contracts, anytime you sign with someone, they're supposed to say, find an independent third party counsel to review this contract on your own behalf. But no, like this person, this, the person who was quote unquote doubted them, um, was acting as, you know, their agent as well to provide them their attorney. So it was like mm. the labeled attorney was acting as their attorney. And that's, so, I'm sorry, but that's something that we also discussed when we, you know, talked as far as like, whenever you go to a label, um, within that story is like everything happens so fast everybody wants to hit everybody wants to get put on everybody wants right, to make it right. everything happens so right. fast that you're not paying attention to the smallest things like even a page missing like and I know a lot of artists may listen right. to that like oh I would have noticed it but for the most part if you're right there and you're about to sign a paper and you know the, these people mm-hmm. are in your corner saying oh we got you this lawyer you're not really thinking of anything you're not even going to look at oh there's well, they, a page you know, they missing. dressed it up right and they dressed it up in a way where um, you know these predatory la- like there are predatory labels out there and I've seen it time and time again, and it, it breaks my heart every time. But they will dress it up. They'll take you out, and they will, mm-hmm. you know, um, make it look all shiny and exciting. But, you know, the page that was missing was their, their royalties page. Oof. And, you know, it was weird because this, the, the actual document, their, their contract was titled recording agreement, but it read like a management agreement where the manager would be receiving the royalties. Wow. And... Yeah, and it was shocking because these it was like a I think five or six there were five or six of them in the group and it their ages ranged from 15 to like 22 years old. And I remember going to their show that night and you know the 15-year-old's mom had to go on tour with him because you know he's a minor. And I went up to his mom and I was like um you know please excuse me for you know if I'm being brash but 
what were you thinking? Letting it mm-hmm. his minor sign this without reviewing it. And she kind of put me in my place. And she was like, where we're from, if something like this comes across, you're, you're like, if it comes across you, you don't hesitate, you know, like you don't hesitate. And the, the advance that they got was, you know, kind of egregious because these kids, yes, they're very, very talented. They're amazing in their, in their work that they do. They're hardworking. They're great guys, but nobody should be getting like a, a, I think it was like a hundred thousand dollar advance. Um, on your first sign, on your, on your first contract sign exactly. for a term of like, what was it? Six, seven years. It was just one of those things. And like, once those, those documents are signed and those like predatory labels have a hold of you, the only way you can get out of it is by litigation. And that's, that's, that's the hard thing that I had to tell them. I was like, you know, the, um, the, ter- the, the um, jurisdiction for litigation is in New York. I was like, I can't personally litigate there for you. I can help you find someone, but the court costs and fees in New York are, are like ridiculously high. You know, I was like, you're kind of stuck with this for the time being, unless you break the contract. And if you break the contract, then there are all these other terms come into play, and you know, then you're liable for those costs and fees. Right. And, either you know, way, you're going to have a court a court case, and either way, you're going to have mm-hmm. to owe a lot of money. Be so, careful, son yeah. of the right. So, if they had done their, you know, due diligence, and, and I'm not saying that they were at fault in any way. Like a no, lot we of get the times, you. yeah, it's just it's a like a deer in the headlights. The way that the industry is, right? And yeah. um, and it's just. Like I say, like my, my goal in my life is really to make sure that hopefully one day nobody has to step into my office as a, as a kid, you know, with those types of concerns, because it's, it's a scary thing, you know, and if they had known not to sign the first deal that comes across their, their, their table or to just, you know, read and see what what the terms themselves say, or even just ask if you don't understand, um, they could have been, you know, you know, without headache <laughs> for yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of years and a lot of, um, issues that they came across. Now I wanted to ask you, um, cause be- before you said the word predatory, uh, do you feel as though labels are more often predatory when it comes to signing new acts? Because that's kind of how, especially in hip hop, I feel like mm-hmm. labels like to to sign these guys, especially these street guys who don't have any idea of the law and in most cases try to avoid the law at all costs. So they're not doing their their due diligence of reading up on it. Um, do you feel mm-hmm. like labels are intrigued by people who don't really have a clue? Um, I think in the past, that was the, the MO, right? I mm-hmm. think in the past that, that was the way that things were done. There was a lot of underground, like under the table deals or kind of, un, I'll, I won't say, I'll say unethical practices going on. But I think now, especially after the pandemic, Artists, especially unsigned independent artists, have much more leverage when it comes to, um, you know, to the, to the, what is it called? The way that their careers play out. And I don't really think that artists need labels that much anymore. You know, yeah. of course, there are like the big three, like the people that are, you know, like if, you know, let's say like, 
I don't know, like a Sony reaches out to you and they're giving you a huge 360 deal, of course. And and on top of that, you have been uh, kind of in the runaround for a couple of years as an, as an artist and you have like good traction going on. You have a pretty solid uh, fan base and your streaming numbers are doing fantastic. Yes, go ahead and sign with that label if they are, you know, um, if they are going to make you a household name pretty much right 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 right. like if that's what you want but now i think like when it comes to um when it comes to accelerating your career i think independent artists have more leverage in the sense that they don't need labels labels more so need them right so um i think it's about knowing your leverage uh, knowing what you can bring to the table and also kind of, um, kind of, you know, understanding your, your, um, capability to, uh, do this on your own, especially with, you know, you know, everything being digital, everything being online. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, like I always tell my independent artists as well, like you, it's more so about creating that relationship with your fans and your fan base. And, um, because if you have the right support and backing, you you really don't need uh, labels now to facilitate your work. You have Spotify, you have SoundCloud, you have YouTube Music, you have even Amazon Music now, you, where you can upload these works on your own. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think more so with independent artists, it's it's more about creating the right team finding the right people to play the right role and um, just being, making sure that you're taking the right steps because like I said, you don't want to uh, get excited about something that a lab, uh, you know, a label may be offering you, but you know, in the end, what are you going to be left with? Right. Like you're going to be left overworked, um, underpaid. And, you know, these labels always have the right to end up cutting you from there from their uh, roster. So I think it's better to remain as an independent artist and kind of work on your uh, craft in that sense. And I want to just kind of like go back to when you said that, you know, like one of your biggest goals is to make sure that, you know, there's no other underage artists coming into, you know, your office uh, talking about their deals. And that's something that me uh, and Dick have both been vocal about. It's like, you know, you know, when you're younger and you have the mindset and you don't have the knowledge of knowing what the music industry is. It's like, I want to get signed. I want to get signed. I want to get signed. And, you know, mm-hmm. at first it may have seen when you don't get signed, when you're younger, it's like, oh my God, like my life is ruined. I didn't do the things properly. It's not going to work for me. But then, you know, right. as you get older, you gain more knowledge of like how the industry is. If you want to like learn about it, educate yourself. And then from that mm-hmm. point, you go, you can look back and say, okay, actually me not being signed may have been the best situation. Cause now at this point and the, the music right. landscape, the independent artist technically is king. Like you have the opportunity, you have the leverage to kind of build things right. on your own. And you have the freedom as well. Exactly. You know? Like you don't have to, you have the creative freedom to make the decisions on your own. And, you know, it's funny because, um, art, independent artists would come into my office and say, Hey, I want to get a, a record deal. And I'm like, why would you want to get a record deal? Just create your own LLC, you know, make oh. your own entity, be your own record label. And then from there, you know, you know, you could, um, you could execute your own work with different, uh, distribution companies. You know, they are always looking for people 
to distribute or, or like independent uh, record labels to distribute from. Um, or uh, one of my other clients, for example, he was signed to a major record, or not, not one of the majors, but he was signed to a record label under one of the majors. And um, they had kept pushing back his album release again and again and again. And eventually, like a year had passed. And um, he got tired of it, you know, with them having the control of his work not being released. And he, uh, you know, through my previous firm, uh, broke that contract. Uh, we created his LLC for his record label. He um, he had gotten a distributor from an independent, he had gotten his first album distributed from an independent distributor and is now, you know, putting is creating a roster of different artists similar to him or, you know, uh, artists that he feels fits his, um, genre his or, or niche. Yeah. 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 Um, as, as a record label owner now, you know, it's, it's, you have artists don't realize that they have so much more, um, freedom in the sense of, you know, kind of doing things on their own. Like you, you can create an LLC, you can be your own, um, your own record label and from there you can you know also you you can lift yourself up in that sense rather than having you know a traditional you know record label deal where they have the control over the release they have the control over your stuff they have the control over your image or your marketing or your you know your entire um work and yeah so you're I on the phone I you're agree. on the phone right now with two artists who both have llc's yep. and their own record labels yep. so we kind of yeah, we sure. kind of we kind of uh tried to preach that as well uh we've had past episodes where we've told people the same information and uh hopefully coming from you who actually deals in that business it'll be something that kind of like is driven home and they'll be able to mm -hmm. take it from you and be like you know what if she's saying it then that might be the move because i think a lot of the times when we say stuff it kind of comes off like well they don't know you know what i mean <laughs> but, but to hear someone in the actual field say the same thing is, is great it's right very great. right and it's a matter of you know um like i said doing your due diligence if you're serious about you know having this as your you know your career your everything you know if, if, if this is something that you eat breathe live about you can you know you can do your research you can do your own due diligence and you can you know you can create that business plan that marketing plan um for that llc and you know, you don't really necessarily need, as an independent artist anymore, a record label to, um, you know, get your name out there. It, it's just about perseverance, dedication, and making sure that you're um, effectively moving forward and not, you know, potentially, potentially uh, taking 10 steps back with some sort of legal issue. How many artists, like independent artists, you would say, like, you probably come across that have had, like, in a sense, successful careers. And by successful, I mean uh, being able to live off of their music um, because that's one of the other things that we try to drive home a lot, you know, because everybody wants to be the biggest act to be assigned and everybody wants to, you know, transcend to like that household name. Um, but mm -hmm. we tend to not see in the limelight all the other independent artists that may be out there who are making a living. And we probably just haven't met them or known them yet because either they're not in our niche of our music or we just mm -hmm. probably not looking mm -hmm. for them. Um, so I think, you know, has there been like a influx that you've seen of more successful artists that are coming into your office trying to look for that? Um, or is it more so still kind of 
labeled or well, uh, artists? No, it's funny because, um, you know, it's not just like artists that are wanting to become like superstars, right? There are people that are like, for example, I, I work with this, uh, music label out in San Antonio. They're a Tejano, um, Latin, you know, Tejano based music label. And what they do is that they will literally go out and look for live acts for like rodeo shows or for like, That's dope. um, that is. for like, uh, Latin, uh, based radio stations and stuff like that. Like, a lot of people think that, um, you know, I come across people or people come to me looking for like, you know, superstardom, but no, like some people are just wanting to, um, have a sustainable have career. Protected. Yeah. Right. Right. And, um, I, whether they be a songwriter or a producer or whatever, um, my, my role is to just act as their advocate. Right. So, um, whether that be their goal be, you know, having consistently 10 shows per month and, you know, have play at like small, small venues, or if they are looking to um, be a, a bigger act and be, um, be an opener for like a tour or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, I wouldn't say I, I come across people that are like, I want to be a, the, the big next big act, whatever. Um, no, a lot of people are also just wanting to maybe even get their like their songs on television shows or radio or whatever, um, get the sync licenses and stuff like that. So, um, I think that the the way that the industry is changing is interesting. Um, I don't think that you know the focus is so much anymore on. Um, becoming the next big thing i think if you are i I, i'm seeing a lot more for example a lot more people wanting to actually reason reasonably make this something that um is sustainable Mm -hmm. um and people are finding more new ways especially after covid and everything new ways to make this um something that can be a a reasonably reasonable income driven career whether that be like i said um they want to create songs for commercials or um, radio jingles or whatever like there's so many different outlets that you can take your work and um you know make them useful for um whether you know for commercials or or whether it be for live events or for um, you could video you know, games, sell your, literally yeah, anything. Right, anything. exactly. And it's obtainable. Right. It's, it's nothing that's like far fetched. Yeah. It's obtainable at that point. Right. You don't have to become like, you know, I don't Drake. know, Madonna um, anymore. Like, and I think that the way that listeners are, are listening to music now is, is changing as well. You know, like a lot of people are more so preferring to find their own, um, their own style of, music that they like and it's not so much just what is on the radio and the radio hits anymore I what think a good that's point the way that people, yeah yeah i think that the way that people are listening to music is different and i think that the more creative you are with the way that you um outsource your music um the better for sure because people are not relying on radio to pick the songs that they have to listen to so mm-hmm. uh, i think that what you just said is a really good point for artists to understand that uh we're at a, a point in time where you know, more people are going to look for uh, 
a new artist to listen to that's not your your typical uh, pop star mm-hmm. or top 40 act. So yeah, no, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a great point. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, even for myself, I find artists all the time that I love who have like 40, like 40, 50 subscribers on like, uh, or like followers on Spotify. Right. And, you know, like, it's just, the, you know, it's just, it's the beauty of it. I think that times are changing. And um, I think that there are going to be significant changes, especially with this next year, with the way that um, music is effectuated. I don't think that record labels um, or I mean, of course, they do play an integral role, but I think that things are kind of becoming more of an independent basis, yep. both for the listener and for the artist. Uh, we couldn't agree more. Uh, Sue, we wanted to uh, thank you for coming on. I think that this, this phone call was amazing. Uh, you pretty much uh, gave us exactly what we were, were looking for. Yes, indeed. Um, and more. <laughs> uh, anytime that you need to uh, get a point out there, feel free to use our platform for that. Yes. Um, can you please tell people where they could find you on TikTok, Instagram, uh, wherever? Yeah. yeah. So um, y'all can find me on TikTok at it's at Sue Sheik, I believe. Yes, I think that's it. <laughs> it's S-U-E-S-H-E-I-K-H. And my Instagram is S-U-E-E-S-U-E-S-Young. Too young, like rush hour. <laughs> awesome. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and if anybody has any questions, if y'all have any questions, like having to do with like the legal field or any, any kind of like, um, you know, concerns that may come across their way, um, I'm more than ha- happy to help out. You know, Thank like you I so said, much. I don't ever want to see a, a kid come into my office again saying that they're, you know, facing a lawsuit. So, and you said you um, were based in yeah. Texas as well, right? Yes, yes, I'm yeah. in Houston. Okay, I heard the y'all. I was <laughs> <laughs> y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. That's that's for sure. I'm in Houston. So yeah. All right, so thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I- Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you all again soon. Absolutely. Have a great day. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. There you, there have, you it. have it. Yep. <laughs> and there you have it. Another, oh, man. another uh, great episode. Uh, another episode where you guys can uh, gain some understanding and perspective from another uh, outlet within this industry. Um, that's the first entertainment lawyer as well as the first female. Uh, we, I wish we asked more questions about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, just, definitely. Yeah, but, but we just got so in, uh, caught up in everything well, within because the, the conversations were great. Yeah, you, you know, like everything about that conversation was amazing. So um, we hope that you guys at home are able to take from that and kind of uh, put that into your own career. Um, even from her saying, you know, like start an LLC. There, there's so many points when we have these conversations that uh, people bring up stuff that we've had episodes on, mm-hmm. and I love it because. Uh, it just shows the the path that we're on and it shows uh, that, you know, the stuff that we're talking about regularly is not uh, bullshit. I mean, you go into this industry and there's only so many things that you have to really learn about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. But once you start getting into it, you realize all conversations kind of fall into a certain uh, bubble. You know what I mean? It just strengthens the rapper's guy mold. Yeah. Of, of what it is to become successful in this music industry and the things that we continue to implement in our own careers and our own artistry. And it just goes to show that, you know, even like the, 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 mo- the most simplest thing of her just saying that being able to reach out to these publishing companies is not as hard as it may seem. But right. in, the, in our heads, once again, as artists, like, I, I need a lawyer, I need a manager to do that. It's like, 
all this stuff is in our hands. It's literally an email away. And it's like, it's right. Crazy. And like, you could actually look these things up on Google. Yeah. Like, you could look up someone's publisher. You could look up the publisher. You could look up uh, contact information for all that publishing company. That company is the same as like a retailer that's on Google. Like, yep. you can find out who the store manager is of a store if you just look it up. You know what I mean? And, and then you have a point to actually talk to. You, you have a point, you have a name that you can call up and ask for. So, uh, we hope that you guys, uh, took what you needed from that conversation we hope that uh you guys implement it and um again another good episode of of rappers guys yeah make sure to follow her um so this way you can also keep up to date as far as anything uh, within the uh i'm drawing a blank well <laughs> just within the entertainment, yeah, the entertainment law. law there we go that's yeah. what i was looking for i was gonna say music industry law right but if you guys follow her on tiktok that's that's kind of where we found her and her tiktok is great uh, if you follow her on TikTok, you're going to see she's she just has these little clips basically uh, giving you information about um, the music business and what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. So uh, go follow her and um, thank you guys for watching or listening to another episode of Rapper's Guide. Yes, indeed. You know, we're back. I know you guys missed us, but we're back. We dropping more gems, going to have more guests on. Um, and just great things in store for you as the year proceeds because, you know, 2022 just started, but we're going to definitely kick it off, right? All right, guys. Episode 42, we're out. This is Diggy Metro. Bales Pagliacci. Peace out, guys.